Hello and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host and I'm very excited to be joined once again by my co-host and partner in crime. He is the Fulham Flyer. He is the Schwangunk Express. He is the Tim Tweetmeyer to my Tim Tebow. Ladies and gentlemen, Phil Vondra. Phil, welcome back to The Pain Cave. That is some introduction. Thank you very much and it is good to be here. It is good to have you back. I am psyched that we are getting back together to go through yet another this month in ultra running. And and really, this is going to be our Western States recap pod in addition to a couple of other little results and things that we wanted to talk about. But, uh, you know, all the storylines coming out of Western States, it was a a fantastic day, a fantastic weekend, and cannot wait to get into it with you. Before we get started, though, Phil, what are we drinking tonight? Well, you know, I'm going old school again. I've got uh, an other half double dry hopped India pale ale here. It's called Small Citra Everything. It's a rather tasty little beer, and it's just past five o'clock, so I'm feeling righteous. Very nice. I'm going to go a little bit lighter than you. I've got a Zero Gravity Green State Lager, which it says Green State Lager in the name, but it then underneath says Vermont Pilsner beer. So I'm not sure if it's a lager or a pilsner. I guess we'll find out. It's a beer. That's good enough. All right. Cheers. Cheers. It's a pilsner. All right. Yeah, this is uh, an IPA for sure. <laughs> good. No no mistaking that. No, that's good, yeah. Phil, before we go out west for our Western States recap, let's recap the Big Beast Coast news of last weekend, which was the toughest 50 mile in the country, Manitou's Revenge. Manitou's Revenge, what a race. Yeah, toughest, uh, toughest 100K on the, uh, on the East Coast. It's a, real, it's a real monster out there, you know? Um, I, uh, yeah, I love it. It was, uh, it was a good, uh, pretty good day. You know, it was kind of that, uh, East coast, um, humidity, very hot, super slippery. I mean, not, not like super hot, but super humid. You know I mean? It yeah. was easily like in the, the high nineties. Um, so it made it a pretty tough day. It was, uh, it was a big, um, I think it was the most amount of DNFs they've ever had, but you know, just such a such an amazing race. I mean, just the the Catskill trails are just burly. Um, you know, just the climb after climb, relentless. Just amazing race organization, volunteers, just the competitors. Uh, you know, all the runners. It's just such an epic epic experience. Um, yeah, it was uh, was a was a great day out there. I didn't probably go as fast as I kind of wanted to. But um, you know, I was uh, super happy with uh, with how it actually ended up going, so I can't uh, can't really have any complaints. And uh, the uh, the winners, the women's winner was uh, Veronica Leeds, uh, and she had a pretty tight race with Kerr Davis, pretty close. It was like a minute and ten seconds or something like that. Uh, Veronica did uh, fourteen eleven, and I think uh, Kerr was like a minute and twenty behind her on the men's side. Wow, tight. Was- wow. Yeah, it was tight. I think it's probably the tightest finish in the in the history of the race. Yeah. Um, on the men's side was the guy who won the Cat's Tail Marathon. Super impressive, uh, Dan Grip, and he was just under eleven hours, ten fifty eight, and then he uh, he brought a buddy with him, I think, and uh, he was second, Justin Korski, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. and eleven oh five. Wow. Uh, Andy Vermilia rocked in third place, and he uh, is the I think the I think he's the course record holder. Um, so uh, yeah, it was uh, it was just a great day out, you know, just brutal but honest, and just like a great, great race. 
So uh, eleven yeah. hours on that course is pretty legit. I mean, that's yeah, very legit. Right? I mean, yeah. Andy's course record can't be. It's definitely not under ten. I don't think. Right? It's it's in the no. Kind of I mid-10s. think it's ten ten. I think it's ten forty four. Yeah, yeah. So ten fifty five or so is that's that's rolling, especially on a. I mean, it was a yeah. very, very difficult day in terms of the weather conditions. And, and as you said, the course, I think, was, I heard from multiple people, pretty slick and, and not conducive to super fast running. It was the kind of day when there was just a lot of like, like sweaty rock around. <laughs> and even the rocks that looked dry were slippery. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, just when you saw a bunch of dry rocks and you had a chance to kind of relax and let it go a little bit, you were like, oh, hang on, I almost just fell over on a rock that looked dry. Um, yeah, I went sideways a couple of times, managed to avoid hitting the ground. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a really tricky day. I mean, really impressive times from the from the front of the field there. Um, but uh, yeah, just just a great day out. Who did who did you spend time running with? Um, I was pretty much on my own most of the time. Um, I towards the end, uh, I bumped into a, a kind of localish guy, Ivan Milan. He had a, he had a really good day. He had like his best. Um, Best run, I think he was an hour, PR'd by an hour. So I, I oh, got wow. to run, run in the last little bit of him. He was really good because I, w- I was kind of dragging my feet at that point, knowing I was pretty close to the finish, but I was like, didn't want to, you know, I was past my goal and didn't want to put too much of a hurt on. And he just really rallied me up and uh, and got me going, which is cool. Nice. So that was that was good. But yeah, so many so many familiar faces out there. It was just, yeah, just such a great, great day out. Yeah, it's, it, it was fun to see everybody posting and it sounded like, yeah, I think a lot of people struggled and had had tough days, you know, just conditions wise. But still, the the vast majority of the kind of posts on social were were quite positive. And you know, I think people have a, a real love for that race, as you do. Totally. E- even when it's even when it's difficult, even when the conditions are brutal, and even when you don't yeah. have your best day, I think you know, for you, sickos, yeah. that still is it. It's got some appeal to it, I guess. Yeah. Times times aside, it's just great to finish and just be in that community and running on that course. You know, just feeling very satisfied at the end pretty much no matter what you did you know yeah yeah so were you near veronica and kerr then i was i was with them for a little bit kerr caught me up i think uh going up on stopple and then we we kind of pretty much ran down to um uh to north south lake together then down to uh to palinville to start the climb up catskill high peak and veronica and kerr were together they were running a little behind me i could hear them chatting Mm -hmm. And uh, I was kind of, you know, taking it easy, trying to conserve some energy for the climb up Catskill High Peak. It's like 2,500 feet over, I don't know, maybe two miles, something like that. It's really, really yeah. tough. Yeah. And it seems to go on forever. And they, they just got out of the aid station a little bit ahead of me there. And I was feeling pretty strong Castle High Peak. And they were just pulling away from me slightly on that climb. But as we got to like the last kind of third of that climb, I mean, they was just they was just starting to disappear. I was I started to struggle a little bit on that last bit, but they were just cranking. I mean, they were just gone. <laughs> I was like, wow, wow. And I was feeling like decent, a little a little crappy towards the last third of it, but they were just gone. I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to match that, so I will settle into my my pace and uh, save uh, save something for a little bit later but yeah so i spent i spent probably like 30 minutes maybe a bit longer with kerr because she kind of caught me up a bit earlier on right in the race and we, we were on the escarpment trail together for a bit um but uh yeah they i think they spent a lot of the day together and then and and then they split i think on the top of um uh Catskill high peak i think veronica kind of had a little bit more in her legs at that point and, and took off a little bit from kerr 
Right. Um, and then and then Kerr was finishing a bit stronger, I think, and was kind of catching. Right. Um, but yeah, they had a, it was a good race, tight tight race from those two. Awesome. I met Veronica a couple years back at the Mountain Lakes backyard. She was uh, she was right. she was the last uh, female standing in that in that one. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, she, and uh, she was great. She was super positive, super fun to have around. And then she yeah, we we had actually there were only four or five of us left, and and she was ready to call it quits. And we kind of badgered her into going out for another loop. And I, I felt right. kind of bad, but uh, she was she was a good sport about <laughs> it. Uh, she outlasted all the other women by a couple of laps at least. And then nice. she kind of disappeared for a little while and then came back with like the whole family in the middle of the night and was, you know, cheering yeah. us on as, as it, as it got real late into the overnight. It was, it was great to have her around. So she, she was cool. I'm glad to hear that she was able to put up a really strong performance there. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Is is this an excellent day? And then, you know, Chipotle at the finish line and pizza and I was just, yeah, everything's just so good about that race. Yeah, they they know what they're doing. Mike and and Charlie do a great job, and and uh, I think it's it's great that that race is you know survived after you know uh, just just such a crazy conception of of a course and everything. It's it's I mean, yeah, it's a testament to those guys, but it's just awesome that uh, that they've found the niche and found a, a a group of runners, like minded runners who who love doing it, and they put on a great show. So yeah, it's it's getting so it's it's kind of like if you know it, you know it. You know, it's just right. like it's that kind of race. It's like when you when you talk to someone else who's done Manitou's, they're like, oh yeah, he's done Manitou. He, they know, you know, that person <laughs> knows. Right. Um, you know, we've we've suffered on those trails together and and they know just kind of kind of the burliness of the whole situation so uh yeah right. it's uh it's an exclusive club of uh catskill mounting running uh you know people yeah. so yeah good good times awesome awesome the i mean so let let's get right into the the meat of the episode which is going to be talking about the other race that was going on that same weekend which of course was the western states 100 the oh yeah crown jewel of the north american trail and ultra running scene and you know one of the two most important trail and ultra running races in the world i would say definitely yeah and i have to say we you know we were we were jazzed up about this one going in i think everybody was everyone was excited to see all the big names get back to racing after such a long layoff after missing states last year and the fields were unbelievable and i mean this race did not disappoint for incredible performances for drama there was absolute carnage because of the the weather conditions the heat and and just the way that i think this race is now run which is as as a fast 100k almost so there's so much talent and there's so much speed at the front that it just lends itself to carnage late, especially when it heats up as it did this this past weekend. Totally, yeah. And uh, yeah, so just so many so many things to talk about. We could start almost anywhere. Let's start here, Phil. There were a ton of different storylines coming out of this race. Pick one. What is your what, what's your takeaway? Your your biggest storyline coming out of Western States weekend? Well, I mean, I feel like it's kind of the obvious one, but it has to be Jim. I mean, he's just shown that he's just you know like. I mean, he's just a different level. I mean, you know, he was an hour and 25 minutes ahead of second place. You know, I'd like to come up with some funky other storyline, but like that guy had had injuries, you know, been working through IT band issues. He spent a lot of time on his bike, reduced mileage, fixes himself up, has like, I think like a four or five week good, decent training block. 
Um, I mean, I, th I heard someone say, I'm not sure if it's true, that he, he went from zero miles a week to 125 miles a week in his training block. You yeah, know, and, <laughs> I, I heard that. Pulls on, out the, on the swap fourth pod. fastest time on the course, was it? I know, fifth fastest? Uh, fourth, fourth fastest ever, I believe. Third fastest yeah. winning time ever. He's got the three fastest wins in race history in the last three years. And, and yeah. only Jared has run a time faster than this in coming in second last year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd like to come up with some obscure story, but that is the story. I mean, it just has to be, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, that's as good a place as any to start. I mean, Jim, his his third consecutive win after, you know, two quote-unquote failures at, at States in his first two tries. One, obviously, the, the wrong turn at mile uh, 92 or 89 or somewhere in that range while on course record pace and, and with a sizable lead. And uh, the second year, uh, uh, kind of blowing himself up in, in a, an overly aggressive race. Since then... He's figured it out. Um, he's won three in a row. As we said, the three fastest wins ever, I believe, unless unless Tim Olson's course record, previous course record was faster than this. But I don't think it was. I think Jim's time this year was was slightly under that course record. I, I may be mistaken. But right. It, and it, I mean, it's close. Coming into the finish line, he must have high fived a hundred people. He probably could have been three minutes quicker. Right, and, and actually, know, he like was high fiving the line. Yeah, you know? he was within striking distance of his own course record of fourteen oh nine set last year until yeah. the, until the closing stages. I mean, really, right, until there were probably yeah. about 10, 10 miles left to go, and and even with a uh, five or six miles to go, I, I was fairly certain he was going to run close to fourteen thirty, and he just he it yeah. seemed like he basically eased off over the last. Uh, six to yeah. eight miles or so just to yeah you know. i heard he, he took a lot of time in the aid stage at that point he was like he kind of he said that um he was feeling a little tired and uh i think he was like you know i'm gonna take two three minutes here i'm just gonna sit down pound a, some coke um and then uh and then just get back out there because he had such a good lead he was like yeah you know i'll just uh really get some fluid in get some sugar going and then you know just have kind of fun in these last you know six seven miles or whatever right so so, so th the amazing thing about this performance from jim is is you know not that it was his third straight which is obviously amazing uh mm. one, one of only uh three men and i think four people uh to, to have won three western states in a row the others being uh yeah. tweetmeyer uh scott jurek and and of course ann Trayson. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not that it's it's not it's not even necessarily that he ran you know one of the five fastest times of all time on the course. It's the fact that he, like you said, he won this race by nearly ninety minutes. Um, yeah, having been a, injured, this was not a a fully solo attempt. We'll get into a little bit of how the race played out, and you know the the amazing effort that Hayden Hawks put in and really pushed him, yeah. pushed him over the first really 100k or, or, or more and, and kind of kept them kept that pace super honest and, and really more than honest. But you know, this this, you know, two years ago, when when Jim ran that course record, and, and Jared was under 1430 as well. There were 10 guys under 16 hours. Uh, this year, there was one. And that was yeah. Jim. He, he's making the best ultra runners in the world look like also rans almost uh, you know and we said it going in you know we knew it was going to be hot and and so you think maybe you know you know you anticipate there's going to be carnage and and you anticipate something of the unknown but you know not only is he the best you know road runner probably in the field with maybe a few possible exceptions not only is he the best mountain runner in the field i mean he's got a mountain a long distance mountain running world championship yeah, not only he's one of the best technical trail runners in the field, bar maybe Max King or somebody like that, and he's also mm -hmm. probably the best, uh, the best position to to deal with the heat and everything else. Uh, the guy does not have a weakness. He's no. he seems so far ahead of everybody else right now. You know, 
I heard somebody, I, I was listening to another podcast, a non-running related podcast, and they were talking about Simone Biles, the, the gymnast, mm-hmm. and, you know, saying that when you compare Simone Biles to every other gymnast who's ever come before, she's so far ahead of everybody else who's ever done this in the history of the world. She's probably better at, she, she's better at gymnastics than anyone else has ever done it. And, and it, the margin by which she's better is probably bigger than anyone else's margin at anyone else to the second best person in that. And, right. you know, we're not there with Jim yet. I think you could still list a couple of people who at least have, you know, as impressive resumes. And of course, you know, ultra running we talk about all the time is a, is a big tent sport and there are different disciplines and all this other stuff. And then it gets hard to compare across different disciplines and distances. But, uh, you know, in terms of stacking Jim up against the, his contemporaries, I, I, I can't picture any time, I, I can't picture anyone being more dominant in their sport, in their time than he is right now. Yeah. I mean, he just, and just watching him run, he just runs so easy. And, you know, I, I listened to the I Run Far interview with him and, um, you know, he, he admitted like he had, he had some struggles out there as well. You know, like he, he had some lows, he had some tough patches. It wasn't just a cruise for him, but he makes it look like a cruise when he comes in in 1446. Yeah. Um, and he just runs so easy. He's just so like chill. And I mean, he's just, he's just fantastic to watch him run. I mean, he's just, uh, yeah. I mean, we need to start testing for alien DNA. I think <laughs> at these races, you know, it's got something going on. He's just, he's just absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. It's a pleasure, pleasure to kind of watch. You know, I was, I was lucky. I got home from Manitou's and I, kind of fired up the coverage, which also I would say for Western States was excellent. You know, really good coverage with um, Corinne Malcolm, Malcolm and um, Debo. Um, and then just, you know, the, the, the other coverage was great and, and saw him coming in, you know, he's in the last couple of miles of the race. It was great, perfect timing. Um, and, you know, he's just, what I, what I kind of love was like this entourage of people running in, just like random people from the crowd. It's just like, just got this like great community kind of fun atmosphere to it. Um I mean, he must have had like six, eight people running along with him. Yeah, it's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we're seeing something special, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right after this, I was trying to just, you know, on my run, put this kind of in, pers- excuse me, in perspective and kind of where he, he ranks. And, you know, we can we can have Paul back on at some point to talk about, you know, Jim's historical uh, significance. Uh, you know, I, 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 I was thinking of this in kind of the, the Mount Rushmore terms of, of male ultra runners. And, uh, yeah. you know, so if you think of the, who, who are the four names or the four faces that you'd have to put up there as kind of the faces of the sport. And I mean, he's one of them. He, I, I don't think you could, I don't think you can tell the story of ultra running without saying his name as among the first three or four names that you put up. Yeah, totally. I mean, just, just what he's doing is impressive. And, um, you know, I'm so excited to see what he does next. I mean, he's talking UTMB, he's going out to France for that. I mean, that's just like going to be really interesting to see how he races there. You know, a couple of big guns are going to be there. Um, Pau Capel is going to be there. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing him operate in that arena because if he can start winning things like UTMB, you know, he's, he's next level again, you know, like um, States is one thing. But like, you know, UTMB is kind of that race that you need to kind of have that win on your resume to really be considered, you know, one of the the greatest of all time, you know? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, if he look, no, no American male has ever won it. If he wins that, uh, you know, it's basically to me, it's him and Giannis Koros as the two greatest male ultra yeah. of all time. Yeah, uh, you know, the other two I have in in my kind of my my meaningless little Mount Rushmore would be Killian and um, Bruce Fordyce. And, right. You know that that the totally makes sense. I, I'm yeah. not sure, but you know. So yeah, you start thinking of how he ranks in relation to them. I mean, look if he if he wins a UTMB and then goes on and wins a Comrades, you know, even just one, he could yeah. th- theoretically win multiple. But yeah. if he has one UTMB and one Comrades on top of the resume he's already put together, it's him yeah. and Giannis Koros, and and that's the list basically at I'm, that point. If he does that, if he wins UTMB and Comrades, I have a feeling that you're going to have a big piece of limestone deposited in your back garden by helicopter. You're going to get a hammer and chisel, and you're going to make that Mount Rushmore yourself. I can, I'm going to see, it's going to be your pet project. At that, at that point, you'll be out there, be Mount the Newports ultra running Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> you will personally hammer that one out. I'm sure of it. Love it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the next storyline that I wanted to touch on, which I think a lot of people have talked about. And the big the big one for me was just the the dominance of the women. You know, we, absolutely three women in the top ten for the first time ever, led by yeah. a great friend of the pod, Beth Pascal, who we yeah. both had picked as one of our uh, women to watch yeah. for the podium. I think surprising nobody, but three three women in the top ten, three foreigners in the top ten, actually. Yeah. Uh, 15 women in the top 30, 17 in the top 35, and I think 19 or 20 in the top 40. I mean, yeah, I think 19 in the top 40. I mean, it's it's impressive. Yeah, really, really impressive. Absolutely, so good to see. You know, we had talked a little bit in our preview show about the, the top women and and how some of the names that we had talked about, specifically Ruth Croft and Ragna Debats, who yep. incredibly accomplished ultra runners at shorter distances were making their not only Western States debut, but their 100-mile debut. And, and we yeah. both said, you know, it's going to be a little tough for them to to really maybe, you know, challenge uh, for the win just because historically this course has not been kind to 100-mile debutantes. No, and uh, boy, we were, we were wrong. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, super impressive racing. I mean, the, the women's field was just absolutely stacked. People race smart, fast times. It was, uh, yeah, really good to see. And, and you know, you know, 100-mile debuts from those guys was was super impressive. And I think we both, I think when we, we had Beth on the, on the pod before, we both felt that she just had a really, like, strong focus. Mm-hmm. Like, she was, yes. this was going to happen. Yes. You know, this was like, she, she wanted to win, and she was doing the things that she thought she needed to do and you know she was not missing a beat on any of that. No corners were cut. Um, she uh, she you know it trained incredibly hard. Came over here you know a good while before the race, um, and just totally focused on it. And it's nice to see you know her get that result. I think that's uh, a justified and well earned uh, win from her. Yeah. So uh, yeah, congrats and uh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I agree. She she that w- that was kind of the the one takeaway I got out of that interview as well was her focus. She seemed so dialed in, and uh, you you know it w- it was almost hard to joke around with her because she was just so focused. And yeah, uh, you totally. Know, she just ran. I mean, we talked to her yeah. after Canyon, and we which, weren't particularly funny no, either. So we, it was we hard. I mean, at our best. joking's a stretch. She um, you know, we talked to her after her win at Canyons, which was again a a dominant performance and we thought a, a really a perfectly executed race and she kind of came out of that and said to us 
Yeah, it went well. Like, it, it didn't seem, you know, particularly... It wasn't like she had the greatest day of her life or anything like that. She just she had a good yeah. day and and uh, mm -hmm. she's she was that much better than everybody else. And honestly, it kind of felt like that again this week uh, or last week. She, you know, she went to the front. She she kind of controlled the race from the front. She she didn't do anything stupid. She didn't do anything overly aggressive. She just ran her own race. Her own race happened to be at the front of the field. And yep. she she was in control really the whole way and just kept just kept her foot on the gas and kept extending the lead and and really from what i could tell following from afar never really looked to be in in doubt oh, I, I don't think agreed yeah it seems like she was uh yeah she was strong i mean she was i think she was a little back in like the first 50k or maybe first like 25 miles or something but uh she um was kind of always up there it wasn't like it was a kind of like way out the back. I think she might have been in like fourth place or something at one point, but all was pretty close. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was super impressive yeah. and a great time. I think second fastest on the course. Yeah, second fastest time ever, uh, beating uh, Claire's time, her winning time from two years ago, and, and relegating that to third now. And on a again, just a, a very very hot, very difficult day. You know, Dave yeah. had said something interesting on on the Swap Pod last week about. How not only was it that the the temperatures were hot, which they often are, but yeah. he he said you know it was it was cool enough in the morning in the high country, but also there was no snow, so you know it was cool Lost. enough that they that they could go out and kind of hammer, and yeah. also right they didn't have kind of that natural uh, obstacle of the snow to kind of slow right. them down and keep them in check. So when the heat yeah. picked up in the in the late morning and the early afternoon. A lot of people had already run their legs into the ground uh, just because they didn't have anything conditions-wise to slow them down over those first 30 miles. And that's what led to a lot of the carnage that we saw. And we did see a lot of yeah, carnage. We did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sort of, uh, I think, you know, the, the women's field didn't have a, a large number of uh, DNF, certainly in the sort of front front end area of the races. The men's field had a much bigger group of uh, DNF, so... I wonder whether there was sort of um, people just went out too hard in that uh, in the men's race, you know, um, and a lot of people just paid the price for it. So, I mean, <laughs> you make a mistake of chasing Jim, it could really go badly for you, you know. For sure, and we talked a little bit about that with Max going in. Yeah. Like, how, how does how does having somebody like Jim in the race affect your plan, and and how does it? And and in this case, it I'm sure it blew up more than one race. Um, and we can talk a little bit about some of what happened that way now and, and, and talk a little bit about the DNFs. I mean, the first mm. person that we think of when, when we're thinking about this is, for me, is Hayden, um, yeah. who was, you know, again, I th was this his 100-mile debut or maybe his second try at 100 miles and came in super fit and obviously confident and knew he could run Jim's pace at least for quite some time and did. Yeah. And, yeah, he ran uh, with him for a bit, yeah. Yeah, and uh, really paid the price over the final 10 miles going from a very, uh, really really being well out in front in second uh, and taking several hours over those last 10 miles, holding on to a top 10 finish and a, a really gutting out uh, that eighth place performance. But, um, I yeah. mean, he, he's... He is... Eighth place, uh, three hours behind Jim. Right, exactly. And I, I think he's, he's exhibit A for, you know, what what trying to stay with Jim and, and what and how he can affect somebody else's race uh, can do to you. And then, I, I mean, Max, I think, might be Exhibit B. I mean, I don't think Max ran overly aggressive, but, you know, he was out hard and, you know, his quads blew up and he paid the price and ultimately didn't finish. Yep. 
I was actually, I was very surprised to see Jeff Browning DNF, actually. I, I don't know whether he had a, a medical issue or what the situation was, but like he's one of these guys that's kind of uh, very, um, you know, very smart with his pace, uh, very tough. Um, that was that was very surprising to me, actually. There was some speculation that when he started to struggle, he kind of, you know, as the defending Hard Rock champ and and planning on going back there in just a couple of weeks, there was some speculation that uh, when it became clear that it wasn't necessarily going to be his day, he he kind of said that that he was going to kind of save something in the tank for Hard Rock. Whether or not that's true, I have no idea. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's quite possible. I mean, only a what, a couple of weeks out from that, right? So yeah, just uh, three now weeks I don't out uh, again, right? I don't think Jeff did anything differently than he normally does and and then the normal race plan that usually as we said uh results in him winding up in the top 10 and and watching the splits yeah. early on you know we had talked to Kyle Pietari obviously and and he had kind of said you know I, I like to do the first half with Jeff basically and then kind of run yeah. with him and yeah. you know that's why it's they like, both if I'm ahead of him I know up, things are not <laughs> right. good <laughs> that's why they both usually wind up exactly in the top 10 where they do yeah. um and they they were doing that i mean those those first few splits were hilarious because they were right with each other in in a fairly right. sizable pack but uh, it was it was very funny to me just watching that but yeah i mean I, again i think they they both executed the pl- the race that they wanted to or at least the plan that they wanted to and for Kyle obviously it worked out great he had an amazing day coming uh, charging hard towards the end and and yeah. uh, finishing 6th yeah. Uh, for Jeff, mm-hmm. it didn't work out. You know, looking at the looking at the DNF list uh, on the men's side, Phil. I mean, you could put together it, you could you could put together a top five or ten just of DNFs that rivals the top ten of any trail race uh, in oh, the world. Absolutely, I think. yeah. I mean, I mean just crazy. just going down this list: Jared, Max, Jeff. Yeah. We mentioned all them. Mark, Mark Hammond, the M4 yeah. from last year, multiple time top ten finish or the M5. Uh, sorry, Matt Daniels, M- M4 yeah. from last year. Charlie Ware, Ryan Miller, Rod Favard. I mean, that's. That, you know that that's an unbelievable field right there, just of guys who didn't yeah. make it to the finish. As you said, the Absolutely. women, the women, a little bit more successful, at least in in finishing. Um, yep. You know the the highest profile drops were Addie Bracy and Nicole Bitter, but not to say there wasn't carnage there either. Obviously, we know Claire yeah. uh, Gallagher, who it sounds like she fell and aggravated a, a knee injury in the uh, in the early stages. Yeah. Wound up hiking yeah. it in. Um, Camille, we can talk about who. You know, again, not not a great day. Uh, gutted out a finish uh, well back in the pack. Uh, we can yeah. talk a little bit about that later. But yeah, so uh, definitely a lot of carnage out there. We we did okay on our picks, I got to say. Uh, you yeah, know, we, were, a, we were decent. Not we were, an we easy race good. to pick with, with all the names out there. I'll just go through what we had. Uh, we both said for the women, we both had a top three, a podium of, of Claire, Beth, and Brittany. So obviously we both whiffed all on right. Claire. We both had Beth, uh, who wound up at the top step of the podium. We both had Brittany Peterson, the defending runner-up, who charged hard to come in fourth. That's yep. pretty good. The next three names that you mentioned, we, we each gave about six on the women's side. You had had um, Katie Asmuth. Uh, mm-hmm. You had mentioned good her. Place. She came Way in to fifth. Go. That was a good call. You had Casey, who snuck into the top ten. Uh, you had Camille, who um, we'll have to ding you a little bit there. Um, I get dinged for yep. I had Addie Bracey in my top five. Um, okay. So she she DNF'd, but I did have uh, Ruth Croft. I said uh, in my nice. top five, um, and uh, obviously she was second as we talked about. And uh, I had I had mentioned Keely Henniger as as another competitor, as another contender rather, and and she's she in nice. the top ten as as well in ninth. Yeah. So not too bad for us there on the women's yeah. side. Yeah, we we, we kind of know what we're talking about, I guess. Maybe a little, maybe a little. I, I mean, as there. we said, the Claire Beth Brittany picks were pretty chalky, uh, and they paid off yeah. pretty well. Uh, we had similarly Sounds chalky good. picks on the men's side in our top three. We both said Jim Jared and Hayden. 
Um, and yep. so uh, we obviously both got Jim along with everybody else. We both had Hayden uh, eighth and looking like he was going to podium there for the vast majority of the race. We both lost Jared on the on the drops. You had Max in your top five, so that's another drop there. But uh, we both had yeah. Tim Tollefson in our top five, and he did wind up fifth. Um, and I'm going to give myself credit because I had Tyler Green also in my top five. So I actually had um, nice. actually had three of the top five and four of the top eight. So not too bad uh, for me on the men's side. So uh, yeah, give ourselves a little pat on the back. That's not too bad prognosticating. Yeah, we uh, starting to know what we're talking about. I think. Well, maybe that's a stretch. All right, Probably just complete luck. Biggest anyway. surprise. What's the biggest surprise for you coming out of this one? What, what what result, either positive or negative? I was thinking more positive, and maybe we could go to maybe negative. We don't want to dwell on the negatives too much. But what was what was the biggest surprise for you uh, in this race? Best biggest surprise performance. I mean, I guess I'd like to say Drew Holman. I mean, like I like. You were, you, you've been on Drew Holman for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, I, I figured he could break top 10, but third, I think, is like just such a great result. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of rooting for the guy. Um, you know, first time that I met him was at Cayuga a few years ago. And then just, you know, he's, he's obviously on the swap team with us. And um, yeah, just watching his progress is just great. It's just so fantastic to see him doing so well. Um, you know, I figured he could break top 10, but third is just, it's just, He's had a smart race. He's had a good race. You know, he's he's been sensible. He's been patient. And uh, yeah, third. I mean, that's just, it's got to be nice, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Former Ultimate Frisbee player. So he's got that going for him. I love that as well. Which is nice. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. yeah. You were Ultimate Frisbee guy yourself, right? I was. I was. Captain um, of the, uh, the uh, where'd you go to university? Cornell? I was captain not the, the captain. Team? No, no. Oh. Sorry. Sorry oh, yeah. to disappoint you. I was. Right. Uh, Sorry. Anyway, we <laughs> should bring the oranges on at half time. Uh, how about on the oh. women's side? Any what, what surprise stuck out for you on the well, women's side? I'm going to sound like a little bit of a broken record here, but I think uh, Katie Asmuth as well. Yeah, fifth. I mean, again, somebody I, you were on pre-race. Yeah, I mean, I, I I figured that she could break the top ten, but I just think fifth is just it's just great. I mean, it's just so fantastic. I mean, you know, I uh, I met her out at. Um, the bear a couple of years ago and chatted with her there and just like the energy is just so incredible you know she's just such a positive amazing like energetic person see her coming fifth there is just yeah brilliant i mean watching clips of her running down the course she's just like a like a running party basically this ball of energy and and happiness uh and that was that was cool to see her do so well yeah yeah i'll say i i, I echo both of those for sure although i think we both thought that Drew had something like this in him. I, I don't think either of us necessarily thought he would be yeah. on the podium there and really breathing down Tyler's neck for a second, it sounded like. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say for the men, my biggest uh, other surprise would be Stephen Kirsch, who maybe shouldn't be a surprise since he was M8 last year. But, um, right. you know, I, 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 I'm not sure that I anticipated him in this field coming through in the top 10 again, and he did. I mean, uh, M7 right. this year. And I think eighth overall, I think uh, just behind just behind uh, Beth. I mean, the guy, he, he's he's apparently got uh, unbelievable flat speed. And so he sets up well mm -hmm. for this course. But, um, you know, not, you know, not nearly as well known as as most of the other names that we talked about pre-race and have been talking about. And I think now you have to consider him a, a threat for the top five to ten every year, at least on this course with with that track record and, and the performance he put up there. Yeah, definitely. On the women's side, for you know somebody who picked, uh, looking here, four of the top nine runners correctly, 
I, I was surprised by so many things in this one. Uh, we spoke already. I was surprised that Ruth Croft and Ragnar Debats were able to podium in their first 100-mile races. I, I, I didn't think Audrey Tangay would be as, as close to the front as she did, and she was running at the front and, and really mixing it up with Beth mm-hmm. early on and, and was a player yeah. for the podium most of the day. Emily Hoggood, not surprised that she ran well, but surprised that she was as high up as she was in seventh. I was actually a little bit surprised that Casey was in the top 10, honestly, especially the way her her early race played out. She ran a very, very smart race. She relied on her experience on this course. I mean, you you shouldn't be surprised about Casey. She's a former uh, champion. She's been on the podium multiple times. She's a former women's ultra runner of the year. So uh, certainly she has the, the track record and the ability to do anything on this course. But, you know, she had been injured coming in at least a little bit in, in her buildup. And, and uh, she had been a little bit quiet in terms of, you know, her expectations or at least, you know, the, the outside expectations for her. And, and the early stages didn't seem like they were quite going her way. And, and you know, for her to hang on and gut out a top 10 finish was, I thought, awesome. Uh, Sarah Kyes, I, I honestly, I'm great runner, great beast coaster. And, you know, mm-hmm. I thought she had the potential to be top 20, but I never would have thought a 12th place finish for her. Uh, another swap athlete, another swap athlete, Michelle Magana, uh, in 11th, you know, an, another person that, uh, that I would have thought, yeah, if you had told me going in top 20, top 25, that would not have shocked me at all. If you would have told me going in 11th, ahead of people like Magda and Abby Hall and uh, some of the other, and Claire and some of the other people we talked yeah. about, uh, that that would have shocked me. So that, the, you know, some some big surprises uh, from from my side on, the, on, on that front. Give me some of your gutty performances. I know there were a ton. There was so much, you know, carnage like we talked about and so many people that rallied from way down and, and from where it looked like their, their race was over. But what, what were some of the guttiest performances that stuck out for you? Well, you know, I know that uh, you uh, you sort of. Uh, I think Camille gets a bit of a bit of a ribbing occasionally for like just dropping out of stuff. But I mean, I was actually even though she, you know, it was twenty seven hours, just she got to the finish line. I mean, I think like that that has to mean something. She's dropped out of so many races, just knocked it on the head, jacked it in. She, you know, hung in there and finished. And apparently, she was like having an absolute shocker. Um, it would have been so easy for her just to walk off the course, and it's such a hard race to get into. People just desperate to, you know, get an entry into this race. At least she finished. You know, I'm like, I was so happy to see that because if she hadn't have finished, I think you would have been harping on about this for oh a year probably until states next year. I mean, you <laughs> you would have been like, what the heck is she doing going out there and not <laughs> like that made it for me. Um, yeah, sure. and that, that was good. I mean, that was good. Um, I mean, you know, one thing kind of, uh, you know, going back to the Stephen Kirsch, uh, you know, seventh seventh place, I think there was a point in the race when he was just basically, it was looking kind of over for him. Like I from, from listening to kind of race reports and people around the course, there was a point in the race where he was kind of done and out and he rallied, you know, and they basically picked him back up, you know, called him down, got some food in him. And uh, so, you know, like seventh place, great, 17-29, fantastic. Um, but I do think there was a point in the race when he was kind of looking like he was about to drop. Hmm. Um, and I think that's good that he came back from that as well and had a strong, you know, seventh place there. So that yeah. was that was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. Good for Camille, I guess. <laughs> that's all you can muster. 
All right, fair I don't enough. Know. I mean, <laughs> you're I, just I sad that you don't get to spend a year just like bitching about. No, 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 no. no. Look, I, part, part of this is way. part of this is just that my the shtick that I have to do now. But I, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> look. It's great that she finished. Uh, it was a uh, it was a very difficult year. There was a probably a 33 or 35 percent drop rate, which you know is quite high for for Western states. Yeah, um, and. Uh, and she didn't drop, and and she has dropped at races in the past when things have not gone her way, and uh, that's now two races in a row where she's had tough days and did not have kind of her A game about her going back to jackpot and now and now Western States, and instead of throwing in the towel, she was able to she was able to gut it out. Um, so yes, I mean good for her. Now, uh, I I don't want to I don't want to bag on her too much, but I also don't want to necessarily celebrate a twenty seven hour finish. I mean. You know, I think we're just celebrating the fact that like she got to the finish line. Okay, like, you fair, know, it's, fair enough, fine. It's also hard to get into. I mean, you know, like at least she respected the. She kind of hiked it out, got it done. Okay, um, yes, I'll give know. her that. I'll give her that. And and I know I I didn't see this part of the coverage. To walk off the course, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I I didn't see this part of the coverage, and um, you know, but I did. You know, I I had heard that. Excuse me, Corinne uh, was saying that. Camille gets a little bit of a bum rap and, and, you know, for, for racing aggressively and, and blowing up sometimes. And, and, you know, if me, the men who race that way, we don't give them quite so hard a time. And, and to some degree, I think that's, that's a fair criticism. And I may be a little bit harsh on Camille sometimes because of that, you know, in my defense, and I think in, in the defense of, of folks of my ilk, what I would say is that I don't, I, I think the people that do that sort of thing on the men's side are not as talented as Camille is. Camille is, Right. Literally one of the five to ten most talented people in the history of of the sport, uh, certainly on the women's side. She doesn't need to race that way to be successful. And that's why it's so frustrating to see her, you know, blow up and, and do things. Now, now again, I, I don't think she did anything wrong this time in terms of her race strategy. It sounds like she was just on a bad day. And uh, she it d- doesn't sound like she was doing something stupid like, you know, leading Jim up the escarpment yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Like, so that's that's fine. Every, everyone's entitled to a bad day. And it's it's it is a credit to her that she stuck it out and everything else. But, you know, I, I think it's still fair to, you know, uh, direct some criticism at her for when her race strategy is not uh, is not as is not commensurate with the, the degree of talent that she brings to the sport. Uh, she, she really is one of the all-time greats and, and she shouldn't, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, I feel like she, uh, I don't know. I feel, I feel like she should get sometimes, sometimes I feel like she should get more out of her ability than she does. That's, that's why she's frustrating to me sometimes. I hear you just want us to do well. You're just, you're rooting for her and like, no, you know, I mean, that, that is kind I, of it. That is you. kind of it. I, I, you know, I, I, I do, I, I'd like to see her succeed with more consistency than she, than she sometimes does. And I think you it's. You want her to maximize her talent. Yes. Yeah. I, that, I think that's, I think that's accurate. And, and yes, I, and part of Fair it enough. is, I just, it's, it's fun to bag on her a little bit. Um, you certainly seem to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Good, good for her for 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 digging it out. I mean, it's you know that that that's that's you know. Hopefully, she comes back and and has a better performance and can can put up a result there that that is you know commensurate with her talent. If that's important to her, I mean, look honestly, she does not need to do well at Western States to cement her legacy. She's she's no. a multiple time world record holder. She's a multiple time world champion. She's one of the all time greats in the sport. You know, if Western States isn't for her, it doesn't have to be for her. You know, that's that's fine. She doesn't need this. She doesn't need UTMB or anything like that. 
she can go on and set more world records and win more world championships and freaking win comrades three more times and go down as the greatest, you know, road and track ultra runner of all time. That good. That would be amazing. I would love that for yeah. her. But, you know, hopefully that's, uh, you know, hopefully she's happy doing with doing what she wants to do. I wanted to shout out Pat Regan, another great friend of the pod who, um, you know, as, as a gutty performance, just just missing out on the top 10. Yeah, um, but but running really a, a really tough race and, and battling back from some early race issues uh, to, to just uh, just sneak into the into the back part, almost just sneak into the back part of the top 10 there um, in terms of gutty performances. And um, yeah, I, I, we spoke about Casey. I think that was a, a real uh, gut check performance for her as well. I was I was psyched to see that uh, among others. Any other Storylines or things that you wanted to shout out from this race? I mean, the the um, continued ascension of Cody Lind and Brittany Peterson as the power couple yeah. of the ultra running world. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping there'll be an award for the fastest uh, couple at some point, which should be interesting. Well, I mean, um, you, you, they're going to have to compete with Tyler Green and Rachel Drake, obviously. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, uh, you got, you got, uh, Avery and, and Sabrina with hard rock coming, yeah. coming up on the horizon. Right. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, fourth place for, for both Cody and Brittany, uh, Brittany, uh, back in the top five again. And, uh, that, that was awesome. And they both ran great races, both, both coached by, uh, Cody's dad, Paul, right? Yep. Yeah. It'll be an interesting, uh, interesting little event to throw that one in there. That would be, uh, that'd be good. You ever see those like uh, those twosome races where it's like either you run like a couple, you know, the couple has to finish together or sometimes it's like a um, a couple uh, with a relay where you, you really it would be, be fun to have like an ultra twosome like that where you, you put yeah. these couples together. That would be really fun. Yeah, totally. That'd be, that'd be awesome. All right. Um, and, you know, I mean, I loved as I was saying before, I love the coverage. I love the golden hour. It's just fantastic. Simple. just like you know absolutely gutting it out to get over the line there was one guy who had like that ultra lean going on he was like a minute and a half inside <laughs> the cutoff and like he kind of stepped over the line and then kind of fell back and then he fell forward again it was that like, was amazing yeah it was uh yeah just like it's great the coverage I mean, was fun yeah. i thought i thought debo and uh corinne did a, a wonderful job uh fantastic really, job really yeah, excellent so good. I mean, we can talk for an hour. They talked for like fifteen hours straight, pretty much. That was really yeah, seriously. Yeah, pretty, it was. It was just excellent great. coverage. Um, it it would have been nice, I think, to see a little bit more footage from the trail. It was mostly static footage and and moving around a little bit in the aid stations yeah. and stuff. And obviously, that's the easiest kind of footage to get. But yeah. you know, it's as, a good starting point. Yeah, for was, exactly. It was a great jumping off that. point for. You know, maybe if within a year or two, we get some drone coverage. We get some handheld cameras out yeah. on course. And I mean, it just... They will, I'm sure. I it, mean, like it, they have at UTMB, it was just, yes, you know... It should rival the the kind of production that, that UTMB, puts, UTMB yeah. puts on. And I think it will. I, you know, I'm sure they'll bring in folks like Jamil to, to aid in that. And there are so many great filmmakers in the sport. Billy Yang, who yeah. we've talked about before, and that sort of thing that, that I, I think yeah. that is that is inevitable. Uh, barring permitting issues, I don't I don't know what the permitting is for drones and that sort of thing in right. you know the high country or the canyons. I mean that that may be an impossibility on certain parts of the course, but um, I'm think, sure they'll figure something yeah, out. Yeah, because we we could have used a little bit more uh, footage from the course itself, but otherwise, yes, it was a great mm -hmm. starting point and really really fun. Yeah, totally. All right, so that'll wrap UT or UTMB. That'll wrap uh, Western States for this year, and uh, can't wait for next year. Uh, 
there are a couple of things uh, coming up on the horizon, but uh, this past weekend we actually saw, uh, we want to touch a little bit on the big race over in Europe, the Mont Blanc Marathon. Um, Solomon sweep for the uh, for the men's side on the podium, I think, right? Yeah, totally. I think, um, I guess I'm the, uh, the default uh, European correspondent only because you don't want to pronounce those. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, tricky, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving that one for you. Tricky good good luck with those. Here we go. Names. Here we go. All right, here we go. So the winner on the men's <laughs> side, Stian Angermund. Oh, well done. Uh, won that. And the uh, second place, David Mangini. Mm-hmm. Manganini, maybe. A uh, couple of minutes behind. Uh, and then uh, third place was a Polish fellow, uh, Bart Predzawajewski. Now There you go. Was... As good as I can get. He was the winner of the um, Golden Trail Series last year championship, I think. Um, he was, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 All Solomon athletes there in the top three. Yeah. Uh, so that was a big one. And then uh, the women's side, the winner was uh, Maud Mathis. Um, Convicted so drug chief uh, Maud Mathis. So she's still crushing. Um, and then. Oh, it's, uh, it's easy when you're supplementing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and apparently she's doing that well, and she hasn't even had a pork burrito yet. So, uh, yeah, she's uh, – and once she has that, we're going to see something really special. She's going to win the whole thing outright. Um, and then uh, second place, Anais Sabri. Mm-hmm. There you go. I'm really I'm – You're, really, you're uh, all I'm, over this. I'm, this I'm is impressive. Out the hedge. And then uh, third, third place, Blandine Le Hirondel. Wow. That's, that's all I've got. That's what, I mean, I'm just – I'm totally – like laid up here as the Euro correspondent. Maybe if I have another beer, my pronunciations will get even better because my, my <laughs> French gets a lot more fluent. We should have brought, we should have brought Piers on. Piers was over there. He's over there. He's still over there. I mean, don't think he's flown back. Come on, he's, he's living the life out there in Chamonix right now. He finished though, right? He's not still out on the course or anything. <laughs> no, he did finish. <laughs> That's yeah. good, good. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll yeah, get him the on dream, and tell us about it. The other big news coming out of the last couple of weeks, uh, two kind of vaguely related stories. One was the cancellation of the world championships for this year for the 24 hour and the 50K yep. and, and the 24 hour being a big one. That is I, I am gutted for the the men and women on the U.S. team, um, yeah, particularly particularly the guys like. You know, Nick Corey in, in specific, yeah. you know, been yeah. pointing to this. And they were just looking so good as oh well. God, I mean, it was, it's such an interesting race. I mean, yeah, sad. It, it's terrible. So sad. And then, you know, Olivier, who builds his whole year around this thing and, and was, yeah. you know, going back to defend a podium spot. And, you know, Harvey and Jake Jackson, who were in fine form, you know, Harvey winning a, a very impressive backyard just a couple months ago. And, and uh, Jake... Yeah who's been running quite well recently, um, you know, Jacob Moss, I, we, you know, and, and then the women's team as well, obviously, just uh, both, both sides defending champs. And, and these, yeah. folks, these folks build their whole year around this, and, and that's terrible. I know. And it's just such exciting racing to, to, to follow along with as well. You yeah. know, it's just so such a shame. It's like a big chunk out of the calendar. Great, great team. Great, you know, to follow that race. It's so sad all around, you know. Now, the, the world championships loss may be Desert Solstice's gain, you know, yeah, you think as, so. As some of these folks may be casting about for another timed type event, you know, Desert Solstice is out there on the horizon in December, and we had a little bit of news in advance of Desert Solstice this year from your boy Taggart, who is going to be towing the yeah. line there. He's uh, he's fresh off a, a two hundred twenty-three mile week, so he's uh, he's building a little bit. Um, so <laughs> he he says he's going to do a race before Desert Solstice. Now I don't know what that is. Maybe. 
you're a little bit more dialed in on his situation. Do you have any ideas on that? I don't know. I, I'd venture to guess it would probably be Tunnel Hill again. Um, and right, he'll okay. probably take a crack at 12 hours there, uh, okay. you know, set the quote unquote trail record if, right. you know, that's important to him. But that, you know, that, that sets up in his kind of timeline of, of putting in a big effort maybe six weeks before Desert Solstice. I have no inside information on right. that. I haven't heard from him. Uh, yeah, but, he um, did. He mentioned Desert Solstice. Obviously, and uh, he said he was going to do a race before Desert Solstice. So yeah, I'll be interested. That, that would to see be my that guess. Is. Just just right. uh, speculating. And he does have an Ironman. Uh, I know that he wanted to get done before then. But yeah, he did announce that you know Desert Solstice. The goal is the twenty-four hour world record. The yep. What is thought to be the the hardest record, the most unbreakable record in our sport. Giannis course is hundred and eighty-eight point something miles. Right. So uh, I just. Look, good good for Tiger for going good after luck, right? the 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 biggest thing out there. Um, that yeah. that record to me seems that 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 seems inhuman, basically. So the record is 188 miles, is it? 188 miles. So you need to run right. That that's back to back 94 mile 12 hours. Wow. So I'm guessing the question is, how do you instruct your barber in that situation? Do you just say? <laughs> You you do a, a greater than one eighty eight is that the the you know so basically I'm looking I'm not quite sure what I'm gonna do but it needs to be over one eighty eight so it's like greater than one eighty eight in the side of his head. Ah, uh, uh, that's good. That, that's good. Yeah. You know. You know. I mean, <laughs> screw having Jim on. Our, our next pod really should be Taggart's barber. That that's who we should have on. Next. <laughs> Dude, you can't get an appointment with that guy now for like months. <laughs> I'd love to see him. Um, oh God! Yeah, um, guys, yeah. Hardworking. Yeah, dude. look, we'll see. Yes, hardworking guy. Hard, hardworking guy. Um, no, he'll. Uh, I, I'm excited to follow along. I love following his training. I, you know, uh, he he like he kind of runs with a chip on his shoulder. It seems like, and he's a fun character yeah. to follow. And. Look, he has no, he has no, makes no bones about, no, has no qualms about putting himself out there and, and, Agreed. you know, yep. uh, you know, being, being very upfront about his goals and his goals are audacious goals. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, refreshing to see people who are, who are that aggressive and that kind of outspoken about it. So, you know, hopefully it comes off well. We, we shall see. I mean, yeah, it's exciting. It's nice. I mean, like nice to set those goals. It kind of builds a little excitement into the event. Um, and it's the right place to do it. He's going to have the runners there that will push him on. You know, yeah. it's just like it's going to be – it's the absolute right environment. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, Desert Solstice is set up as a basically world championship qualifying event and a world record, you know, setting event. Or, you know, they, they yeah. love it when people come with specific goals of age group world mm. records, national records, whatever it is. Um, and th it, it is not unusual for a number of folks to go out on world record pace there. So he, he will very likely have company, um, at least in the early yeah. stages, even targeting 190 plus miles. Uh, yeah, so it, it'll be fun to follow. Uh, he's in for a, a world of pain that, that I can't imagine trying to maintain that effort for, for 24 hours. So uh, good for him. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Next couple of weeks, we've got a couple of big races coming up. Mount Marathon is in the next few days here. Uh, I'm looking forward to following that. That's a, that's a fun little one. Uh, can't wait to see the results coming out of there. And then I'll be heading out with Brian for Hard Rock. for uh, Hard know. Rock, yeah, that's going to be a big one. And uh, Francois Dain is going there. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a couple of other Europeans going to, going to be showing up there. So that's kind of interesting. Things are opening up 
kind of, you know, for overseas runners to come in a little bit more, which is good. Uh, you know, obviously a few at States, but nice to see a few overseas runners at, uh, at Hard Rock. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be it's going to be a big one. It's, we're under two weeks from that, right? It's two weeks on Friday. So uh, we're getting getting close. Yeah. Yeah. By the by the time this comes out, it might be just over a week, probably. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's not quite the field that it looked like when this field was first announced. God, three years ago now, yeah. I guess. Right. Right. But yeah. uh, or two years ago. But um, yeah, I mean, we've got Francois. We've got Jeff coming back. We've got Debo. We've got um, Trevor Fuchs. And uh, yeah, there there could be uh, there could be some fireworks there, and and uh, the women's side is going to be fun as well. We're going to see Courtney's big return to action, um, and uh, Sabrina Stanley, who is afraid of absolutely no one, and oh, is going to be defending yeah. her title. Makes so uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm sure there are going to be fireworks in the women's race just between those two. I mean, absolutely, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, that two of my two of my sprint finish down overall, the road. Two of my overall favorite people in in the sport and um yeah. two people who uh are super competitive, do not fear anybody or anything and uh are both really I think their 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 skill sets line up really really well for this course, both of them. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it's going to be really, really exciting. Uh, that 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 race might that that showdown between the two of them might be even more exciting than the men's race. It's going to be huge. Yeah, it could well be. Yeah, totally. That's uh, yeah, one to look forward to. Definitely. All right, so we'll put that on the calendar for our and next pod. I will be there. I'm going to be uh, hiking it around with Brian, and we'll see if we can sneak out a a, a good finish there. And uh, then we'll can have we'll, a good run too. We'll have the story. And then what's ne- next for you is ragged, right? I got the Ragged Mountain 50K in uh, New Hampshire. So it's uh, the uh, 7th of August, so it's not too far off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, looking forward. It's supposed to be a pretty, pretty fun course, pretty burly. Yeah, it sounds, um, pretty, it sounds pretty rugged. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, yeah. Tra- Trail USA Trail Nationals, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Good. So it uh, should, be, should be fun out there. And, so, then, yeah. uh, and then hopefully we'll be at Yeti. Yeti 100 for us, yep. yeah. So there's good, some good good fun stuff on the horizon for us. Um, yeah, and we'll be back to talk more about that soon. Phil, this was fun. Thanks for taking the time. Awesome. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusty like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky in the the bus feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there I was still young I was still